We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com as well. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, it is a Friday. It means that we're back and we are ready for another Friday show. Yeah, it is great to be back as always, Kyle. We are recording this on Halloween evening, and so that's a special treat. Uh, hopefully not too many tricks during the show. I am I myself am feeling quite under the weather as of this afternoon, and uh, it just keeps getting worse. So I was wondering, you know, are the Packers really 7-1, or is this just some crazy fever dream? Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I think I think as a fan base, we've conditioned ourselves over the last 10 years to always expect the worst case scenario. And we keep waiting for the shoe to drop, but it hasn't yet. And we'll continue. They or you know, we'll hope that they can continue the momentum moving forward um, in what I think is going to end up being a bonus ninth home game in Los Angeles. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We do hope it's that home environment we've talked heard a lot about, you know, uh, fans showing up in powerful ways at other stadiums. So we hope that that's the case in L.A. this week as well. But uh, let's let's get started with that. Speaking of that ninth game, uh, this is a week nine game. So let's uh, talk about some of the key matchups in this week's game against the L.A. Chargers. And if you've been listening to Andrew and I on Fridays, you know that key matchups and X factors has been the theme of many of our shows. And so we're going to keep doing Doing this because every game script is so different depending on the matchup. So we know that the Packers have LA this week. And so let's go ahead and start by looking at some matchups that the Packers offense will have to keep an eye on this week as they prepare for the Chargers defense. Yeah, and I really wanted to concentrate on Devontae Adams going up against the Chargers cornerbacks. And I, I know everybody's excited for Devontae's anticipated return, and the writing seems to be on the wall that he is coming back this week. And especially intrigued to see how he fits in with an offense that actually kind of thrived without him. I think one thing that is especially intriguing to me is to see how the Packers utilize Adams in his return. One option is you could put MVS and Lazard on oh, Alan Lazard, sorry, mandated wow, 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 for the listeners, alien lizard. Uh, so we'd have MVS and Lazard on the outside and Adams in the slot and they could utilize Graham at tight end and Aaron Jones in the backfield. Kyle, how do you think if you were a defense, you would defend that three wide receiver, one tight end, one running back set? Like what kind of defense would make sense to use? Um, that's a really good question. That'd be really challenging. Um, I don't know. What are you thinking? Well, I mean, you know, I think most most defensive coordinators are going to come at that with the nickel package, right? Yeah, You've seen a personnel right. with three wide, one tight end. But that creates some interesting matchups because yeah. obviously you have the threat of run there and then, you know, you're facing a four man front with two linebackers um, and the Chargers in this case, they don't have Derwin James this season. So that's that's an appealing option. But one other thing you can do, and, and I know the Chargers really like their nickel package, Casey Hayward, Michael Davis and Desmond King can probably match up with any wide receiver group in the NFL. But if the Chargers want to focus on Adams with Hayward or King, the Packers are going to be able to move Aaron Jones in motion and create mismatches just like they did against Kansas City. But that's where Adams returning brings an added dimension to this team because he will win those one-on-one matchups, which was the one thing that Stallo Green Bay drives in his absence. So not only do you have the ability to flex a wide or flex a running back out and have your wide receivers win on the edge and have Jimmy Graham win over the middle against zone. But now you have Devonte Adams who can win those one-on-one matchups in the cases where, you know, typically um, the few times that green Bay offense has struggled over the past couple of weeks, it's been situations where the wide receivers could not get themselves open. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. And it is really going to be fun. I think we've kind of settled in and gotten used to this Matt LaFleur offense. And I don't mean that in a way that like we've seen it all, uh, but just we've gotten to really appreciate uh, kind of the evolution of this offense this season. But I think that that's only going to just kind of multiply now with getting Devontae Adams back, as you said, just because that brings so many other options to the table with him being able to play out of the slot and play on the outside. And it will be really interesting to see how LaFleur uses him as a chess piece. And I think the one thing we've all kind of noticed is like the absence of Devontae Adams has really stretched this team and we've gotten a lot out of those other wide receivers. So I think in the long term, like we've said, 
on the show before, just that the greatest benefit of his injury was that the offense had to learn how to be pr- productive without him and really to see what Aaron Jones could become even as an offensive weapon in those kinds of ways. So it will be really fun uh, to get him back and what a luxury that will be this week as well. So uh, let's go ahead and look at what I'm going to say is going to be a matchup um, to watch this week, and that's the Packers' interior offensive line versus the Chargers' defensive line. And they say, you know, they say, those people, that games are won and lost in the trenches. And so, uh, fair warning, I'm going to be talking about the trenches a lot on this podcast because I'm convinced that that is absolutely going to be the case in this game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, The Packers' interior offensive linemen have been really, really good these last couple weeks. They've been getting it done. And Elton Jenkins has been a really nice surprise this season in addition to what the Packers were hoping to get out of Lindsey and Billy Turner, of course. And so you hope even uh, you you can kind of hope and expect that they will continue to play that really just incredible way that they've played this season. Uh, but this this game on Sunday is just another game that I think will allow them to continue the success that they've had because this Chargers group of defensive linemen has just been terrible. Uh, Not only are the Chargers defensive tackles just been bad all season, not one of them, not one on the team, ranks in the top 50 in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, Brandon Meebane is underperforming thus far this year. Justin Jones has been average at best. And Jerry Tillery, who a lot of us remember from the draft this year, and a lot of Packers fans really liked Tillery this year in the draft, um, he has actually been the lowest graded defensive tackle in the entire league, um, among those that, of course, meet the minimum snap counts. Um, But, I mean, PFF is just tearing this team apart. And so all of that is really bad for the Chargers and really good for the Packers. Uh, But what's even more alarming to me when I looked at this Chargers defensive tackle group was how few snaps that they've actually played. The Packers' Kenny Clark has played 435 snaps this season. Now, obviously, Clark is a really good player, and the Packers want to have him on the field as much as possible. But the Chargers' defensive lineman who has played the most snaps is Justin Jones, and he's only played 250 snaps. And for those of you keeping score at home, that's almost 200 snaps less than Kenny Clark. So not only are the Chargers D linemen struggling in general, but they're lacking that impact player who's just giving them consistent snaps that they can rely on. And so I really, really expect the Packers interior trio of Jenkins and Lindsley and Turner to just continue rolling on Sunday and to really impact this game in a positive way, especially considering how bad that LA D line looks for this, you know, just, out of the gate this year. Obviously, every team has a moment where their team just kicks it into gear and plays really well. But if things stay the same, it looks like that this is a unit that the offensive line should have their way with this this week. Yeah, and that's really interesting. I, I didn't realize that about Tillery, and that was somebody that I really liked in the draft. I didn't first-round pick like him, like apparently the L.A. Chargers did, but I thought he was he was a really intriguing young prospect that had the ability to make an impact right away and long-term, and clearly he wasn't ready out of the gate. So, um, you know, some self-scouting there. I, I I talked about how the Packers can win matchups with the wide receivers and running backs, and now you're telling me that they'll be able to give Rodgers time and the ability to move up in the pocket, and that to me sounds like a recipe for success. Now, 
They just need to make sure Bakhtiari and Balaga stay healthy the whole game to hold up against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, who we somehow managed not to mention <laughs> at all during this entire breakdown. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, like you said, notice we talked about the interior offensive line having a good matchup there on Sunday. The tackles are definitely going to have their work cut out for them. Uh, but let's go ahead and switch gears here. Let's talk about some matchups the Packers defense will have to take a look at for Sunday's game. Yeah, an easy one for me to identify was Austin Eckler against the Packers linebackers and safety group. Uh, Philip Lindsay had a, a really nice game against Green Bay, and Eckler is arguably better in the passing game. He's not as complete of a running back as Lindsay, but um, certainly a really, really good wide receiver out of the background. And the Chargers have used him for checkdowns, but they've also lined him up as a fifth wide receiver. And he is an absolute matchup nightmare. And I'm not really sure how Green Bay is going to match up with him based on the personnel that they have. I do not want Blake Martinez or his club in one-on-one <laughs> coverage against Eckler. And BJ Goodson doesn't seem like a great option. So I think we'll see some zone and largely safeties used to limit his opportunities. So, We'll see how Savage and Amos and maybe a little bit of Shandon Sullivan deal with Eckler. And then also the threat of Melvin Gordon out of the backfield in the passing game. Yeah, absolutely. I actually this last week had some flashbacks to Nick Barnett's club, you know, seeing that that hand out there. And it's obviously a very different looking looking club and maybe used in very different ways. But uh, some flashbacks there this week for sure. But um, for me on defense, uh, it's the Chargers offensive line versus the Packers pass rush. Uh, that I want to focus on here as a matchup. And uh, the Chargers were a team that I and I think a lot of people really expected to be so much better this year than they've been. And I already have warned everyone that I was just going to keep talking about the trenches on today's show. So here we go again, because I've already talked about how bad the Chargers defensive line has been. But the L.A. O-line has been equally as terrible. And when both sides of your play in the trenches is as bad as it's been for the Chargers, it really does explain exactly why this team's record is as bad as it is, or at least is not as good as people expected that it could have been this year. Uh, so we're going to get into the details of that, but just know that this Chargers O-line is really, really bad. And that is really good news for this Packers pass rush group. And it's been really fun to watch this Packers team because uh, they've gotten so much better at rushing, rushing the passer this year and uh, getting pressure. And Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith are obviously a really, really big reason of that success. And so I really do expect that to continue this week. We're going to see more of that. Uh, Pro Football Focus released their offensive line rankings after week eight, and the Chargers offensive line was ranked 29th in the league. There are 32 teams in the league, if you just didn't know that off the top of your head. So that is at the bottom there. And sometimes when a unit is that bad, you can look at one or two players who are just really struggling and dragging down the entire offensive line unit. But you really can't with this L.A. group because they're all struggling really equally. So uh, I will say that they uh, got Russell Okun back last week. Um, and... He was really, really good. He played really well for this team, but he also hurt his hamstring in last week's game and has been limited in practice. So I think they expect him to play, but we don't know what, what version of Okun you'll get. So uh, this is a struggling unit, and if the Packers can get out early you know, in front of this game, and really force Rivers uh, to have to pass to get back in this game, I think that will play heavily in the Packers' favor, and we might see a lot of those sack celebrations from Preston and Zedarius this week, as we've seen earlier in the season. 
Yeah, and I would assume teams are going to see the success of the Chiefs uh, or the the success that the Chiefs had against Green Bay's defense and come out with a quick passing game plan. And and certainly the Chargers may need to do that with their offensive line struggles, as you mentioned. But while the Chargers have two really good wide receivers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, neither one of them possesses the straight line speed that you saw out of Kansas City's unit. And that speed forced Mike Platt. Patton to play a more conservative defense than he probably would have liked. So I think we're going to see a return to a little bit more aggressive scheme this week. Yeah, that's a really good point about the Kansas City personnel and how it allowed for a different kind of a game plan. So it will be really interesting to see if we get back to that more aggressive Petten defense that we've seen at times uh, this season. But uh, we spent some time talking about those matchups that we'll all be keeping our eyes on. But let's let's try to identify some players who we think will be X factors in this game. Uh, these are players that we might naturally overlook for one reason or another, but these are guys that when the dust settles, we expect uh, will have a big impact on the outcome of Sunday's game in L.A. So uh, who do you have for your X Factor player this week, Andrew? Yeah, I mentioned him really briefly, but I think Shandon Sullivan has a chance to to be a, a real key player in this game. And he had one of the bigger plays of the Chiefs game when he broke up that third down pass to Travis Kelsey. And that was actually the last time the Chiefs touched the ball in that game. And I've already mentioned the threat and, or the threat the Chargers running backs possess in the passing game. But when you add Hunter Henry to the mix, the Packers safeties are going to have to have a big game. So Savage and Amos are normally reliable. So this is yet another chance for Shannon Sullivan to impress, and he's been really good so far this season, certainly much better than any expectations we would have ever had from him. So another good performance could be a huge boost to limiting what L.A. can do on offense. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just think that he, he has a chance to shine, and if I'm being super transparent, my last two picks at X-Factors were Josh Jackson or Oren Burks, and I don't think either one of them saw a snap. <laughs> that week so I'm going to go a little bit safer this time around that's a good call I'm in the same boat with you I've picked uh Darius Shepard and oh oh I picked uh, uh Darnell Savage who uh just did, he didn't have his best game he you know it's, it was good to have him back out on the field but didn't didn't have the game that we hoped that he would in his return so yeah same thing here I'm going to pick a little bit safer pick uh here and I'm going to go with Jamal Williams um for me I think Jamal Williams is going to be uh, a real big part of this game. He's been so good all season, and he obviously had the incredible catch on that just in- amazing Houdini throw from Rodgers last week in the end zone. Uh, but I think that the game script is going to favor the running backs in this game. And as good as Aaron Jones is, and I fully expect him to still light it up on Sunday, I think the Packers might limit his in-between-the-tackles workload this week, especially considering he has been taking it a little bit easy in practice with that shoulder injury. And I feel pretty strongly that there will be a good amount of tough yards between the tackles to be done in this one. And I already talked about how weak the Chargers defensive line has been. So I think Jamal is going to capitalize on those opportunities he gets and have a big game doing some tough punishing running in this. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Jamal gets in the ground or gets in the end zone on the ground. And I think he will factor into uh, the passing game as well as we've seen. So it could be a fun game to watch with Jamal Williams on Sunday. Definitely. So we have gone into our offense and defensive 
reviews and we've also talked about our x factors and to close out the show we have a few odds and ends we wanted to talk about kyle any updates from practice on thursday yeah so we got Devonte adams practicing in pads for the first time again on thursday and obviously this is one that uh, we've kind of been expecting and kind of been hoping for all at the same time um so all signs point to Devonte coming back soon it looks like it's going to be this weekend i think fans are hoping it's going to be this weekend i know with the buy uh looming shortly i don't know if the packers would would try to push that off at all if he's not quite back to 100 percent. but all comments from Devonte and the signs from practice are showing really positive things and so again as we said just an absolute blessing to get him back in the way that um matt lafleur will be able to use him as a chess piece in this offense if that is the case yeah, and a big luxury not to have to rush him back into action. So uh, really great for the green gold. Really great to see Devontae back out there in full pads. Uh, we had a really quiet trade deadline, and that's been talked about a little bit in the, the previous episodes of the Pack of Day podcast. Um, Josh Gordon was released off of IR today. Any interest there in Mr. Gordon? Not for me. I mean, I'm just, I'm good. I like this group that we've got. I think, obviously, Josh Gordon is a really talented player, um, but I think that the Packers have a nice group of pieces, and I think unless it's an absolute surefire, going to impact your team right away and in a way that's uh, not going to cause a distraction in your locker room and a team that's really going in really good, a really good direction, I think I'm going to pass on that. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I, I've well, I mean, Josh Gordon a few years ago with Cleveland was one of the most dominant receivers in the league, and um, since then hasn't really shown a lot. I don't think the off the field issues are really a concern for me because you know I, I admire that the guy saw that he had a problem, sought out help. We're seeing with Darren Waller right now in Oakland that people can overcome substance abuse substance abuse issues and come back and have successful careers. Um, but I just didn't see it on the field. And with the wide receiver room the way it is, I don't know who you give up to bring in a guy like Josh Gordon at this point. Um, so I. Really don't think so. Aaron Nagler said no. Um, so I think <laughs> I think I'm in agreement with him on this one. And uh, that's interesting. One thing that I did want to bring up in our um, offseason preview where we went through and, and talked about every single team on the Packers schedule, I said that I thought the L.A. Chargers were the most talented team in the AFC. And they yeah, certainly have not yeah. been very good this year. Derwin James' injury was was a, a start to that. Russell Okung not being available right away in the season had a major impact. But they just, frankly, haven't been very good. Um, and y- you saw that last week with the Chargers' defense really getting worked by the Bears' offense. And I know the final score didn't necessarily demonstrate that, but the Bears could not score in the red zone. And they had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. They had like eight plays from the one-yard line oh, geez. right before the half and couldn't punch it in. So I, I got to say, you know, this seems on on paper at least like a game that the, the Packers offense could exploit. The crowd is going to be in their favor. The weather's nice. So, um, you know, hopefully we, we see a little bit easier victory than the Packers had last Sunday. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I the reason I got so sucked into looking at the trenches so much this week was exactly what you said, because we talked, like you said, in the offseason about how this was such a talented football team. And I just kind of started to look and see, like, why is this team losing football games? Why are they so much worse than we thought that they would be? And that's kind of where I landed was just like their offensive defensive line are not playing and winning up front. And obviously when you lose uh, the tight end, what's what's their tight end? I'm totally blanking on. Hunter Henry. Um, Hunter Henry. You lose him for the start of the season. That sets you back. And then, you know, you've got your – but they're so talented. They've got Mike Williams and they've got Keenan Allen. You just expect that this is a team that's going to play better. But obviously it just is a testament to that theory that you got to win in the trenches to win football games. Uh, but And they say that any given Sunday any team can win. But this is the game so far on the schedule that when you really look at it on paper, it certainly does look like this should be a win for the Packers just because they are a better football team at this point. But uh, we will see. This is Those are famous last words too. So you got to show up and win the game. It is funny that you mentioned that because my my initial thought when we were breaking the Chargers down was, man, this seems like a team somebody put together on Madden. <laughs> and and I say that actually being the Chargers in my Madden franchise, and I don't know why it didn't click, but they they have tons of, of talent and skill at the edge rusher position, at cornerback, at uh, safety, at the quarterback position, at running back, at wide receiver, at tight end. And they kind of forgot the other part, you know, the, yeah. the part that's really important in the actual NFL game and not the digital yeah. NFL game. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, it, it is interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens. Every NFL team is really, really good, and you have to take them seriously. And, you know, even, even if Matt Moore is the quarterback, teams can put together really good offensive game plans that that make the game closer than what you might anticipate as a fan. And so we know the Chargers have a lot of talent and have the ability to uh, beat a lot of teams in this league. So uh, even though the record may not be what I thought it was going to be at the start of the season, the Packers are definitely going to be taking them seriously and hopefully coming out 8-1. and one. Absolutely. Hey, I've got one more thing to throw at you. You ready for this? Yeah. Did you, see, did you see that Le'Veon Bell claims that the Packers are trying to trade for him at the trade deadline? I had not seen that. I, I know that there were some confirmations that the Packers had reached out on Robbie Anderson. And if you if you put two plus two together that the Jets didn't receive an offer of more than a fourth round pick for Robbie Anderson, you have to kind of think that that was them. But I, I hadn't saw the, saw the Le'Veon Bell news. Yeah, it was just interesting. I think it came from, I think it was... Bell's personal Twitter account claiming that for whatever reason he seems to know the teams that reached out. I can't remember the third team, uh, but Pittsburgh was one of the other teams, <laughs> and I just have a really hard time um, believing that a the Steelers would be on that list, but that uh, the Packers would be uh, interested in acquiring that. I don't know that that contract as well, but I don't know. Just interesting to to hear players weighing in, especially from that New York team that just seems to be going up in flames. <laughs> Absolutely. So that is all the time we have for today. I am going to go take a bunch of cough medicine, but I made it through, right? And hopefully it wasn't a disaster. I don't remember anything that I said, but I am going to go, uh, you know, find an ice pack and lay down for a while. But 
This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jason and Paul, and they're going to be giving us an, a final update on the injury report for Sunday's game. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next week for another show as we get ready for Week 10 and the Carolina Panthers. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.